Hey everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the Food Fan, here at Food Fan Headquarters with another exciting episode of Asheville Food Fans. It is a podcast that I do throughout the week, and then I string it together for broadcast on WPVM 103.7 FM, the progressive voice of the mountains, here in beautiful Asheville, Western North Carolina. Hey everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the food fan here at Food Fan Headquarters, and I just wanted to follow up with you guys about my birthday. Now, I know nobody cares about my actual birthday, but what you care about is where I went to eat, what I had to eat, where I recommend you go to eat on your birthday. Now, my birthday happened a couple weeks ago, so this uh, story is uh, over already, but you can still get these menu items at the places that I went. Now, I went to lunch with my buddy, Rick Krillia. You guys might remember Rick. We used to do the wing thing podcast that turned into the food fans podcast that helped me to restart this podcast. Uh, And so Rick was kind of the part of the catalyst of getting this whole thing going again. So thanks, Rick. And uh, Rick took me out for lunch to a place called Typhoon Noodle. And I picked it. And it's based based on the fact that we had gone there for his birthday and we had a great meal, but I had some jealousy about his dish, even though I really liked mine. And so this time we went back and I got the dish that he got the last time, which was the Jing Jing noodles. And that's J I N G twice Jing Jing. And uh, it's a noodle dish as would the name suggest. And it comes in a big old bowl, and it's like a soup, like a ramen almost, I guess. I don't know. I don't know such things. I'm the the food person who knows the least about food. If you want to know about food, you should follow Jonathan Ammons. He does the Dirty Spoon, uh, and he's very knowledgeable about food. You should follow Kay West and everything she does. She's a great writer and knows a lot about food. And then third... Anybody but me, I just know how to describe things that I ate and rave about them. So I apologize that I don't know things. Um, that's one of my great downfalls. So, but anyhow, we went to uh, Typhoon, had a great meal. They have, a, I, and I recommend it very highly. Just go get anything on the menu. I'm sure it's all good. When I made my post, people raved and they raved about the dishes that they like. They raved in the comment section. And um, so it's a, it seems to be a fan favorite and it's uh, got a easy location that you can Google up and uh, it's got parking. I always like to tell people that they have a drive through window too, that they use for takeout only. It's not like you line up to go through the drive through you call in and you pick up at that window and you don't even need to get out of your car. And it's a beautiful thing. So Typhoon Noodle, get yourself there. I also want to say they have great service great cleanliness like they were cleaning the place the whole time we were there like every time somebody got up from a table boom they were wiping it down every time we were done with our dishes boom they were gone and uh, they have a great condiment section and i can imagine that that is gonna stay great and maybe just get even better over time so get yourself into typhoon noodle and then on my actual birthday dawn my partner in life Uh, She took me out to Storm Rumbar and Bistro, and I think I told you guys that we were going to go there. I don't mess around on my birthday. I go someplace, 
tried and true and I get a big old piece of steak. And I have in the past always gone to Bull and Beggar to get a big old, uh, they do a beautiful filet mignon. And uh, so I usually do that because it's a tried and true knock it out of the park home run hit with this guy right here. And I don't like surprises on my birthday. Surprise parties, surprise bad meal, surprise piece of dry cake, none of that. No surprises. So, uh, but surprise, surprise, uh, Bull and Beggar was closed on my birthday. So I noticed that they had a big old ribeye on the menu at Storm Rum Bar and Bistro. And we went there and I'm telling you what, this piece of meat was perfect. Man, for one thing, it was the size of like a brontosaurus burger. And uh, it, it was enormous and it was cooked just right. And it was cut for me, like um, not into like bite-sized pieces, but it was sliced. And I, I just love that. Like, please do the work for me. Show me the parts to eat. Um, and this thing was huge. It lasted, I took a bunch home and it lasted me two more meals for this, for me. Um, and, uh, but the, the sear on it was perfect. There were grilled onions on top, which were grilled just right. They were caramelized. They were not over oniony as a result. They were sweet and they were great. And it came with vegetables. It came with snow peas, which was a little surprising and carrots and sort of a carrot medley. And, um, they were great. I actually love snow peas, one of my favorite vegetables. And they were sort of, um, I don't know, like pan seared or something. They had a char, like they were seared or they were caramelized in their own way as well. And I, I love anything caramelized, caramelize it for me, please. Any vegetable, I'm more likely to want to eat it if you turn it into caramel. Uh, so yeah, and then on top of the steak, there was like a little ball of, I couldn't tell if it was actually Parmesan or pimento cheese or like sort of a pimento cheese butter or just a pimento butter because it immediately melted into the steak and disappeared. I did get a picture of it before it disappeared. It was like getting a picture of the Sasquatch or the Mothman or something. You got to get it quick. And uh, and so you can see that picture and pictures of just about anything I talk about on the radio show. You can see those pictures on my Facebook page and in my newsletter. So please sign up for that. And then I uh, just want to mention that Dawn got trout, which is ubiquitous all over town. And she said it was the best treatment of trout she's ever had, like ever. And I'm telling you, me and Dawn eat a lot of trout because, as I said, ubiquitous. And so it's just everywhere you look. That's because of uh, Sunburst Trout Farms, which is a local trout farm up here in Western North Carolina. And so it's kind of like our only local fish in a way. And uh, so, and, and I tasted Don's and yes, it was perfect. Like it was kind of bright, but also comforting at the same time. And the fish was cooked just perfectly with a nice crispy, crispiness to the skin and whatever vegetables it came with were great. So kudos to Storm and uh, especially Chef Jordan, who uh, is Chef Jay Medford's chef de cuisine. And I think that he cooked all of our food for us. And Chef Jay was there and he came by the table and 
brought us a Mexican pizza that was totally 100% based on the Mexican pizzas at Taco Bell, which I've never had or even heard of. It was Don who knew about the Mexican pizza at Taco Bell and Jay confirmed that it was based on that and it was delish and it had short rib, I think, like pulled short rib on it. And uh, it was real, or no brisket, it had brisket on it. And it was, the brisket was very tender and the pizza itself was super delicious. And he also brought out a caprese salad that, or I don't think it was caprese. I think it was just a peach and tomato salad with pork, like a pork element. And when I say pork, I, it was kind of, it was ham, but I don't think it was technically ham. Said on the menu that it was speck, but I don't, it didn't seem like any speck I've ever had, but whatever it was, it was made out of pigs and it was delicious. So it had a pig element on it, I should say, not a pork element. I don't know the difference. As I have previously confessed, I don't know anything and I don't know the difference. Y'all can school me what the difference between ham and pork is. I know that ham is a specific thing, like a country ham is ham, whereas I'm not sure if prosciutto is ham. The, school me. I could look it up, but I'd rather learn it from an expert um, or just a knowledgeable eater. All right. So that was my two birthday meals. Um, Typhoon, bang. It was a big hit. I recommend it. Storm, kaboom. It was an even bigger hit or, you know, they don't really compare. One was lunch. One was a full on dinner, but it was, it was awesome. And Storm, is a place that I have loved for a long time. Chef Jay Medford is my friend. Uh, Chef Jordan is a really nice person. I barely ever get to talk to him because he's always in the kitchen when I see him. And I love all the people who work at Storm and the decor suits me and the food is fantastic. So I recommend the ribeye and the trout and the Mexican pizza and this peach salad that comes with some portion of a pig. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Hey everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the food fan here at Food Fan Headquarters once again. And today I have a very special guest. I have Jennifer Hampton from AFBU, and that stands for Asheville Food and Beverage United. And Jennifer is here to tell us what that's all about and tell us what she's got going on. Hey Jennifer, how's it going? It's pretty good. Thank you so much for having us on or having me on so I could talk about what we're doing. Well, you can you can say us when you represent a union, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. So I'm, I'm happy to have all of you on today. And uh, th- thanks for representing the union. And why don't you tell folks uh, the, the nuts and bolts about it, when it started, what you're doing, what, what you're looking for, and you know what to do. Right on. Well, we, um, like you said, we're Asheville Food and Bev United. We're a worker-led coalition of all food and beverage workers in the Asheville area. And we're dedicated to advocacy and support for all, like I said, all the food and bev workers with the ultimate goal of becoming a trade union so that we can help individual restaurants organize their own workplaces and educate people on what their rights are. Okay. Well, that's something that's something that I've heard discussed in the Asheville food scene ever since mm-hmm. I've lived here. And I've lived here now for going on 18 years. And so it's always a hot topic. I know that there have been efforts in the past to unionize um, Asheville um, food and beverage workers. So 
tell us how you're planning to just keep telling us more about what you've got going on. Okay. So we got started a little over a year ago. Somebody posted on the FMB Tribe Facebook group to uh, come out and meet in the River Arts District if we were interested in organizing. So a bunch of us did. And we've just been kind of plugging away at that ever since then, strategizing and getting educated. Um, we launched our first public campaign, the Fair Deal for Food and Bev Workers, back on May 1st at the May Day Celebration downtown. And what the Fair Deal for Food and Bev Workers campaign is asking for is living wages for all food, for all restaurant workers, no matter what position, even servers, um, paid sick days, because it's really beneficial for everybody if we don't keep going to work sick and passing COVID and other things around and around. And fairness in scheduling, because most people are really sick and fed up with having to wait um, at the whim of the scheduling manager to plan their lives out. You know, so many people I know, sometimes the managers don't post the schedule till the day before or the day that it starts. So you just can't live your life outside of work that way. Um, and the, well, I guess that explains why and what it is. Sure. Um, yeah. And those are all issues that, again, I've, I've heard those issues talked about my whole life, you know, like that's mm -hmm. not an Asheville problem. That's an everywhere mm -hmm. problem. And um, there's reasons that those problems exist. And, um, but there's reasons, lots of reasons why they shouldn't and yes. should be dealt with. And mm -hmm. the scheduling thing is so um, tough on the people I know in the food industry because they really can't plan their outside lives. It's almost as yeah. if they're on call. You remember in the 80s when people would wear a beeper like mm -hmm. attached yeah. to the bell and it would go off and they'd be like, I got to get to a phone. Um, mm -hmm. Nowadays, it's the phone itself goes off and they're like, oh, I'm getting called into work. And people will straight up tell you, oh, I can't plan on anything this Saturday because yeah. I don't know if they're going to call me. And that'll be every Saturday, you know. Mm -hmm. And I know that it's I know that it's hard to schedule <laughs> for a restaurant, but there's got to be a way. And the there's union, gotta be. And, and the union is there to I, tell me if I'm wrong. I would imagine the union is there to have the conversation about finding that way. Um, yes. Like realizing there's a reason that it's been this way forever, but let's change it because we don't mm -hmm. want it to go on forever. So exactly. We're trying to first take a collaborative approach with businesses. Um, we're going to be going out and talking to businesses who are already living wage certified and asking them, what can we do to help you um, provide these other two things for your workers, the paid sick days and the scheduling, you know, and, maybe sign this pledge. We're going to have a pledge for them to sign um, to, to let us help them, to endorse them and to, to figure out ways that they can provide these things to their workers. Um, another thing I want to mention real quick, uh, as far as what we are campaigning for, it's besides the food and bev campaign, I mean the, the fair deal campaign, we are in talks with the County to try to come up with a solution to the parking crisis for downtown workers who have to pay 60 to sometimes $120 a week to park downtown when they work. Um, so that's another, another big thing that we're working on. And okay. also taking a collaborative approach with that. 
let me interject if I could, because sure. yet another major issue that I've heard discussed in every sector of work life, you know, whether it's retail or restaurant, but there's so many restaurants downtown mm-hmm. that that's, there's a lot of people that are affected by this parking issue. Um, so it's, it's great that you're in talks with the county because the county controls the parking lots. Is that right? They, they have a couple of parking decks that they are talking about giving um, the top few decks to downtown service workers and in any sector, not just food and bed, but any service workers downtown, retail, okay. hospitality, whatever, a very deeply discounted rate, maybe something like $40 a month. Okay. Um, we ask them we need security, though, for that, because a lot of our folks get off work super late, have cash on them. Mm. And um, so that's something yeah. we're working out. That's another issue I do want to talk about. Let me wrap up a little bit with this parking one. Um, there's a lot of que- like this idea, like a lot of times it'll come up on Facebook groups or whatever. There should be free parking for people who work downtown. And I always think, oh, gosh, what a nightmare the logistics of that are. How do you prove that you work downtown? How do you? How do you regulate that you're actually there for your work shift and not just there to party? <laughs> you know, like how do you, uh, how does it work? But again, like the conversation is where you find out how that works. And so that's what unions are. Like, I think sometimes people are afraid of unions because they feel like unions come in with demands and sometimes they're even stated as demands and that right. scares people, right? Like immediately that's confrontational. Um, and so, but um, I, I think of unions as good faith negotiators over sometimes age old problems. And people will even use that as almost an excuse. Well, this problem been around for ages as if like, oh, well, we should just accept it as a problem. But exactly. that's what unions are like. Well, we don't need to accept these problems forever. Let's try to change them. So the conversation on, on, about parking I'm going to admit that until this very moment seemed like a pipe dream to me until you mentioned that you're actually talking to the county about it. So that's the power of a union right there. Yep. We've been invited by, I met with Brownie Newman uh, Tuesday um, and he invited us to present this whole thing to their um, board meeting on September 6th. So we're going to be trying to rally support to get a bunch of people to come to that board meeting. Um, to show how many of us there are and that we really want and need this. It's, okay. been, it's good for everybody. Sure. And how can, how can people get involved? Let's cut to the chase right now, and then we'll go back to some other topics. But how can people get involved with this particular issue with this date coming up? Well, you can uh, go to our various social, social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and just, you know, follow us, like, and share and we have on our Facebook page, the Asheville Food and Bev United, um, we have a link to sign up for our email list there. Okay. And if you have any troubles try finding any of this stuff, people can email us at avlfbu at gmail.com. Okay, that's great. And I encourage everybody to do that, not just members of the, of the food and beverage community, yes. but should also just eaters and supporters and... Mm-hmm. Farmers and everybody should support you guys. Um, yes, and on another note with that, um, we're having a community meetup at Carrier Park this coming Monday starting 5.30 p.m. at the big um, pavilion area. So if you want to come out there, you can buy one of our T-shirts. You can 
sign up for our email list. You can talk with us and find out, you know, how you can support us. Everybody has unique skills and, and things to offer. So for sure, that was great. And uh, I try to always say to you guys, whenever I talk to somebody from your union, like you guys have so much power just in the fact that you know how to cook and provide hospitality <laughs> to people. So you could right. really just put on the most banging events in town and raise money for union events and union yes. reasons and stuff. And that's definitely um, part of our plan going forward in the future. Good. I'm glad to hear that. The, the eaters are greedy. I represent the eaters. Like maybe if the eaters had a union, I would be on your show talking about it. But all we care about is food and we'll support a great cause if we can also get a great uh, spare rib while we're at it. Right on. Um, so we, I, we're running a little close on time. So okay. I'm just going to wrap up by uh, saying that um, I do want to talk to you at some point about safety for workers, I would like, there was a very interesting post the other day from a gentleman named Benjamin, uh, Benjamin P, we'll call him. Mm -hmm. And he made a post about how he was attacked on his way home yeah. from work. And he straight up said that he felt like he was fighting for his life. Like he was mm -hmm. like, I, my life was on the line, but I wasn't backing down. And, and he said, this is the second time that he has felt that feeling of like, I might die tonight. And the yeah. first time he went to somebody else's rescue and it wasn't a, a food worker. It was a, a person being accosted by another person and he went to their rescue and scared the, the, the assailant away. Um, I remember so, that story. Yeah. So this is, you know, it, it kind of blew up a little bit and, uh, it's, but I, I, that's just one story of many that I've heard of people being shot at with paintballs on their way mm -hmm. home from work from passing cars. Even somebody, wasn't somebody shooting people with um, something even a little bit more dangerous, I think. Salt pellets, I think it was. Say that. Oh, yes, I you're think right. It was salt pellets. Salt pellets, yes. And uh, people walking around downtown with machetes, raving out of their minds and stuff. Yeah late at night. And I know that there's a much smaller police presence in Asheville ever since the George Floyd summer when about half our police force quit. And um, so that just makes it tough to police downtown. And we, we, we literally don't know even how to police anymore because we can't, can't go on with the old school police tactics, right? Like that wouldn't work. And, but nope. uh, we haven't figured out the new school ones yet, just yet, but we'll, I, I'm sorry, I took up a lot of time talking about that story, but I want, if you'd like to find some people to come back and talk to us more seriously about that. I, I would. In fact, I did, I'll just say real quick, I did bring that, this, that whole thing that you just mentioned with Benjamin and the other people. I told that story to Brownie Newman and told him, look, we're organizing people to volunteer to walk others home because mm -hmm. it's really dangerous for us out there, you know? Yeah. And so he was, he seemed like he wasn't aware. Oh, really? Well, that's, yeah, but he was great... really great to hear about it. He seemed really supportive. Oh, good. Um, I'm glad to hear that. Um, and another great reason to have a union to mm -hmm. make these people who can actually do things like the people in power, like Brownie, they need to know what the actual issues on the ground are because, you know, and this isn't saying anything against Brownie. He ain't walking through downtown Asheville at 1 a.m. in the morning, right? Like no, Brownie's, no, Brownie's home, just like yeah. I am. I'm not walking through downtown at 1 a.m. anymore either. Time, time not was either. that I would, you know, <laughs> and it was probably dangerous back then too. But yeah, that's an ever-present danger for the late-night workers. So 
AFBU working with the county, the city, and the restaurants. Business owners. Yeah, to make things safer and better for the food and beverage people out there. Yeah. Real, real quickly, we got about two minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. I just wanted to ask you, have you eaten any place interesting lately and anything you want to tell the readers about, any recommendations? Yeah, um, I asked, thanks for asking that because I accidentally found a really great vegan spot yesterday. Um, I met somebody at another place and they didn't have a single vegan item on their menu, which is weird for Asheville. Very. So we went next door and found the Pulp and Sprout vegan bar and cafe or smoothie bar and cafe. I'm sorry, I butchered it. Something pulp like and that. Sprout. Yeah, Pulp um, and Sprout. I had the most amazing hummus sandwich. They have vegan cheeses there that you can buy little wedges. They've got cheesecake. They've just got everything but vegan. And it was so delightful. And it just made me happy the whole rest of the day. I went to work and I was like, I had the best sandwich today. It was beets and sprouts and avocado and cashew cheese and had a lovely little cucumber and red cabbage side and and I topped it off with a vegan chocolate chip cookie. I mean, what a perfect lunch. And that healthy. sounds awesome. It was. And, and healthy. And, and can we both just recognize for a moment how far vegan foods have come in the past oh. 20 years. The cheeses that used to be available were made out of rubber, as far as I could tell. You know, like, yeah. I guess it's vegan, but it's from the rubber tree plant. Um, <laughs> and nowadays, with uh, there's a local company called Dairy, D. A-R-E with an umlaut over the E, and they make Uh wonderful uh, vegan cheeses. And yeah, that sounds awesome. And Liberty Street might be the happiest street in Asheville these days with the Liberty Mm. Street Cafe, and then the Pulp and Sprout, and then the Yoga Center. And it's that big. It's just a tiny little street with happy things on it. So And very good vibes. Good vibes. Yeah. Mm Excellent. Well, thank you for that recommendation for all of our vegan and non-vegan listeners out there. I love a good sandwich, whether it's got a piece of an animal on it or not. (laughs) All right, Jennifer. Well, thanks for coming on and talking to everybody about AFBU and people. Please Google that up and and, uh, sign up for the newsletter and such. Thank you so much, Stu. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Hey folks, I felt like this next segment needed a little bit of an introduction because it was recorded live on my phone using the video portion and then I stripped the audio away and included it in today's show for you. But I thought you might need to know that because it is an audio, it is a video, there are some visual elements to it that you can't see. So just keep that in mind. Uh, Just a couple here and there. There are also a lot of ambient sounds, such as the music that's playing in the background, as well as customers, because it's recorded in a retail store. So you can hear voices in the background, and you can hear the voice of the camera person come through loud and clear two, maybe three times, I think just twice in the video. Uh, And finally, I just want to tell you that at one point, Someone in the video makes a joke that COVID is over and we all laugh and we pretend that COVID is over, but it is a joke. We know that COVID is not over. So please keep that in mind. That was a little bit of sarcasm on the part of the people in the video. All right. Well, uh, without any more delay, here's that video or 
I should say audio from the video. Gosh, I'm bad at this. Here it is, everybody. Bye. Hey, everybody. It's me, Stu Hell, the Food Fan, and I'm here at Rocket Fizz Candy Shop in downtown Asheville. I am here with Rochelle, who is one of the most fun and awesome people in downtown Asheville, and my good friend Patty, who is also fun and awesome. Okay. Team Fun and Awesome. Team yeah, Fun and Awesome here. Them. And we're doing a soda tasting. You all know that these guys have something like 500 sodas? At least on any given day. Um, if you pan around um, just for a second, you can see that we have sodas in the whole place. So we are a soda shop and candy store. And I have challenged Stu today. We've been talking big talk about this for a hot have, minute. Yes. Rocket Fizz selling the sodas. Two sodas. Um, we're going to blind test. Yes. This is your challenge? Yes. Sue's gonna, Stu's gonna Stu try to Patty. Stu and Patty are gonna try to guess the flavors. Yes. I'm and terrible we'll at first. guessing flavors. So you this, are? Will, this will be great. I didn't mean I was I didn't that's know okay. I was gonna no. stump you. No, that's I'm probably gonna be like, it's a pickle and you'll be like <laughs> It's not it's, a pickle. Yeah. Okay, well with, I know I told you to film four segments, but just keep rolling. Alright. Yeah. Okay, so this is the first one and okay. I've covered it up in a very like in a very mad dog yes, way. Yes, in a very like mad dog rock. Should I pour a little on the floor for my homies? You should. We love nothing more than cleaning up soda. Who has two thumbs and is good at cleaning up sodas? This guy right here. Alright, here so we go. So good at it. So we've got some weird flavors on the very Jelly Belly model of the sodas are meant to be the flavor that they say. Okay. So I'm going to show the people. Do you want another tasty? I do. Before yeah. I... And you notice Patty and I have no problem sharing a bottle. With you. No. Right. That's friendship. We're friends. <laughs> COVID is done. That's a that's a fear of yesterday. We're, we're going to sneeze also. If I get a monkey pox, you get it. I get a monkey pox to go with this puffy eye I've got. All right, how are we doing, guys? All right, so fruity. What are your guesses? Each I'm, saying guess? I'm saying goji berry or something. Ooh, something I like, like that. Okay, more mainstream. More mainstream. I'm thinking like if your Am mom, I on the right if track? your mom packed it in a lunch. It's like a strawberry. Uh, Think of like you're at lunch in your third grade. Well, my mom yeah. was the original hippie, so I'm not watering Oh, juice. you were getting like yeah. chickpeas yeah. in a wrap or some crap. All right, are you ready? I'm ready. Yeah. Peanut butter and jelly. Wow. Well, Do you see it now? I, I, Do I you taste see it jelly. now? Yes, you I can taste the jelly. The peanut butter was a little more subtle. Okay. Okay. Are we ready for number two? Well, I need some talent. Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about, we also sell, yeah, Kit Kats. Whereas Mike had called them for the first five years of her life, Chit Chats. Chit Chats, I like that. Chit Chat about it. Very friendly. We also sell water. Fuji, Fuji, Fuji water in square bottles that, for another time, but this is the only water that Mike Tyson feeds his pigeons. Okay. I'm low-key obsessed with Mike Tyson, which doesn't fit the brand, but I'll... Uh, <laughs> I have no clue what that is. Is, is, it, is it somewhere a very 
Like you're really cool on how the weird So this scale. is a this weird, is really weird. weird. Like really if, weird. if five is the top, if five is the top, mm -hmm. it's the weirdest. Okay, that's well I know what you care. Is that subtle clue? If five is the top, it's the weirdest. There's a clue in there? It's no, really weird. It's no, no. Do we need the tattoo is the clue. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, okay, I got it. Only my freckly bits fit. Yeah. Oh, we missed that. I, I am like lucky obsessed with this condiment. Okay. What? So you took a guess? I took that said slurm. Slurm. <laughs> I don't even know what slurm is. Oh, that's a future drama. <laughs> um, do you want one more? Are you ready? Yeah, we're ready. Yeah. Okay, brother. And like, dang. homage to my oh, okay, yes. If you know, you know. Alright. Yeah. Okay. All right. I wouldn't, you know what? Yeah. These are like... The butter, right? Isn't it? It's weird. So now we're going to move on to deliciousness. So just a little bit about the way we sell sodas. Um, it is player's choice. We sell these four packs, discounted sodas in packs of four. So every fourth soda will get you a discount, by eight sodas will get you a free one. And I picked some delicious pear is the word of the day. So I picked a prickly pear soda. This is from Rocky Mountain Soda Company in Denver, Colorado. Okay. Prickly pears are those beautiful um, cactus, they're a cactus plant. And the cactus flowers have the beautiful pink flowers. I got you, I got you. Don't hurt your... It's not, but I love your capacity. <laughs> I got what so, you're telling. So, yeah, like, I know I can... If anyone can do it, see what you're doing. Yeah. So, prickly pear. Prickly pears are high in vitamin C. They are medicinal, primarily used for food. No, that's it a good soda. That's a real and good soda. a fun fact about prickly pear, it has a benefit of managing sugar levels. Luxury levels in diabetes. Like you like that? Yes, that's how true. Yeah. Nice. So pike, pike, prickly pear. It's very sweet, but not cloying. Sexy bottle. Very sexy bottle. You could be drinking this at a party. I mean, I'm saying. So many questions whether you're cool or not. Is there ever right? any question? Like, whether you're cool or not. I mean, what's more than you in a prickly pear? Not much. <laughs> All right. So stay with the pear theme. Um, this is honey pear by Reading uh, Soda Company out of Reading, Pennsylvania. And this honey pear, I don't mean to rush you guys, oh, no. but honey pear, delicious, light, refreshing, some of Emma's favorites. Dang, once again, you're at a party, you're hanging out, nobody's questioning your Sexy bottle. Right yeah, they need to be asking you where you where you got this. And what are you going to say? You're going to say, I get this. That's right. Open seven days a week, 21 battery park. Ooh, I really like that. That's, That's a little good. more on the dry side, like a... For the next, let me try one more sip of this. Yeah, soda with Rochelle and Stu, featuring Patty. Yeah, and featuring Patty. 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 Right. Well, that was awesome. Yeah, Sarah. thank you.
Hey everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the food fan here at Food Fan Headquarters, and I just wanted to follow up with you on our trip to Hendersonville. Dawn, my partner in life, she and I took a trip, an overnight stay in Hendersonville, a trip to, and an overnight stay in Hendersonville at a wonderful place called the 1898 Waverly Inn, I-N-N. And the Waverly Inn is a very old building. I'm going to guess it was built in 1898. And uh, it is a very classic old inn with a lot of rooms of various shapes and sizes. It has an old school feel to it. I loved it very much. I grew up in a really old house in New England that belonged to the church that my dad was the minister for. And uh, so I'm used to these. And I love really old big rambly houses and this thing was all of those things and it was wonderful and the people who ran it were great and I recommend it very much the 1898 Waverly Inn we stayed overnight there and the whole point was to go to Hendersonville for about 40 or about 36 hours and try as many restaurants and do activities as well as many restaurants as we could and do a few activities and we did that Uh, it was so dang hot that we did cut our trip short by about six hours so i didn't eat we didn't eat a second dinner in hendersonville like we had planned we were gonna we showed up to hendersonville for lunch we ate lunch snacks dinner drinks bed wake up the next morning breakfast lunch and the plan was snacks dinner drinks home and we didn't uh, we didn't make it to the dinner and the drinks in the home because it was so hot, very hot. It's called it's a global crisis right now. Um, and so, but let's move on to more fun things than the global cri- heat crisis. But we played mini golf. It's one of the things on my list of things we did. And while it was fun, it was blazingly hot. And so, Hendersonville has an awesome municipal go- mini golf course right in the middle of downtown. It was too two-second walk from our hotel or the inn, which was part of the whole point of getting that uh, space at the inn. And um, get or getting a room at that inn was because it's located right in downtown Hendersonville. And the golf course is great. It's super old. It was built in the 1930s, I think. And uh, it looked like it pretty much uh, and uh, but we had fun playing golf they are going to move the golf course and I'm going to guess that they are going to update it a little bit when they move it and I checked in and they assured me that they're going to keep it right downtown so you don't have to worry about that uh, and the first thing we did when we got to Hendersonville is we ate at Arabella's and Arabella's is kind of a I, I guess kind of a touristy spot I'm making finger quotes uh, right now and it's right on the main drag. There's only a few streets that have much going on in Hendersonville. It's a tiny little place. And Arabella's had a good business going on, people sitting outside. It was still kind of nice out at that point. So we grabbed the table outside and we were hungry. We showed up to Hendo hungry and uh, the food was great. It, I got a crab cake salad. So it was like some crab cakes on top of a lettucey affair and Dawn got a granola parfait something that she's partial to and I loved mine I crushed it it was delicious I recommend it crab cake salad from Arabella's and Dawn loved her granola too and she ate most of that she left a little bit for me to eat as a dessert sort of thing 
after my crab cakes because it was kind of sweet. And of course, I shared some of my crab cake salad with her. So we both give Arabella's thumbs up, recommends. Uh, as I said, might be considered kind of a touristy place, but who cares? The food was great and there was a seat available and it was beautiful right at that moment in downtown. Now, when I said on Facebook, where should we go in Hendersonville, every single person said McFarland's Bakery. Every single person in the world. I got billions and billions of comments. Uh, no, every, uh, it's every single person, what am I even saying? A bunch of people uh, said, go to McFarland Bakery. And we did. And I'm telling you what, it was awesome. One of the best experiences you can have in this part of the state, for real one of the coolest looking bakeries just it's like stepping into the past mcfarland's was established in 1930 so it is old and it is old school and the desserts i'm gonna say reminded me so much or the pastries and the whole everything reminded me so much of the bakeries up north where i grew up and so they it felt very comfortable to me um, and I'm not sure why that is like a place established in the South in the 1930s that has a very up North feel to me. Maybe the McFarlands were originally from up North or I'm not sure, but, um, it's great. A ton of different pastries and we got a big old box full and we ate, we ate them for days and we loved them. So McFarland's bakery, do not go to Hendersonville without visiting, get there as early as you can. Cause they do run out of stuff. The only place we went to twice while we were in Hendersonville was aptly named Second Act. And it's a cafe slash bar and a little like club type of thing. And during the day, it's mostly cafe. At night, it's mostly bar, although they do both all night and day, you know, during hours of operation. And uh, there's a little dance floor and they do live music and they were going to have an 80s dance night that night. We got out of there before that happened. But we went there once for coffee, and we went back for so that Dawn could have a cocktail before dinner. And I recommend that you do just that. Visit Second Act twice. And uh, that shouldn't be hard to remember to do. The, the space itself is awesome. It's in an antique building as all or most of the buildings in downtown Hendersonville are all vintage buildings for the most part. Some of them were built, have facades on them that are newer, but I, I did a little bit of research and it seemed like got to be 90% or more of the buildings in right downtown Hendersonville are vintage buildings built in the 1800s up into the 1930s and 40s and then a couple added here and there in the 50s and 60s um, and possibly the 70s. Um, but anyways, uh, so the space for a second act was fantastic. It was just a big open space with exposed metal beams up above and uh, beautifully decorated with vintage furniture and high top tables to sit at, a couch with a coffee table to sit at. It was great. I, we loved it. So we went twice. Um, we went to Umi, which was a place everybody recommended, a Japanese bar, uh, sushi bar. And uh, we didn't have time. We were going to go back for dinner the next day. Like I said, it was so hot. We came home so that we could just like melt in the air conditioning. And um, but we did pop in and we just had a basic little snack of some oyster shooters. And Don had a glass of kava and I just had water. 
Um, and the shooters were great. Um, they, I ended up, I, I shot one down, uh, an oyster shooter is what it sounds like in case you don't know. It's a shot glass with some sort of liquid in it and then a raw oyster. And the idea is doink, you shoot that in your mouth, you chunk on it a couple of times and down the hatch it goes and they're delicious. And a lot of Japanese restaurants offer them and we got them and they were delicious. Now the liquid was a little heavy duty for me in terms of it was a salt bomb like no other. And uh, so I, I shot one back and that was great. But I told Don, you're going to want to just eat the oyster out of there. And then the next one I ate, I just ate the oyster and it was great. Like the oyster itself with all that uh, salt bomb attached to it was great. Um, so we recommend Umi for sit at the bar, have a small bite. We'll go back to get a proper dinner. But where we did go to get a proper dinner was a place called Postero. And I recommend Postero very highly. It's an upscale American uh, restaurant, like just like American style food, I guess I would call it, which is, of course, inspired by Northern European food, as well as all the immigrant food, African-American food and Southern cuisine, Cajun cuisine, all of that could make it into the menu. Um, and it, it, we had a wonderful experience at Postero. And I recommend that that you go to Postero if, if you're in Hendersonville, but also go to Postero, make the drive just to go there. Like I think a perfect little trip there and back would be just to drive there half hour, go to the second act, have a coffee or a drink and maybe a light snack there, but don't overload and then go to Postero and have a wonderful dinner and then get on home back to Asheville. And that's a great visit to Hendersonville. And we got a number of dishes. I don't want to bore you to death by describing each one, but here I go. Uh, we got the peach caprese, which was peaches, tomatoes, and mozzarella and the whole caprese thing going on. And uh, it was awesome, man. The peaches were the perfect ripeness, and so were the tomatoes. And I never pictured myself in life ever eating a peach and a tomato in the same bite, but they go together great when they're both this right kind of peach, right kind of tomato, boom, right ripeness. They were awesome. We uh, had an appetizer of a hibiscus raspberry soup. That was a cold fruit soup with a blob of lebna in it. And lebna is a very sour, very thick sort of um, Middle Eastern uh, uh, yogurt type of thing. And so it added a nice sour creaminess to it. It was very different. Like a cold fruit soup is not something I, the kitchen sent it out. It's not something I would normally order for myself, but I am so glad they sent it out because it was very surprising in a very good way and delicious, and we loved it. And then we, for our main entree that we shared, we got the crispy trout with ginger carrots and fresh herbs and a, like a cauliflower hash. And the ginger carrots were a puree underneath and then the cauliflower hash on top. And then the very crispy, very beautifully prepared piece of local trout on top of that and then fresh herbs and golden raisins on top of that. And it was excellent. Like it was just, the skin was perfect. I ate the nice crispy skin. I don't always do that. And it was just perfect. So that was a highlight dish. And the kitchen also sent out a deconstructed Mexican street corn. So it was off the cob. It was in a little dish and it was fantastically delicious like it was in some ways although it was the most humble of all the dishes in front of us in some ways it was the most 
it was the flavor superstar. Like the flavors were awesome. And I wanted to just lick the little dish it came in. Um, and so that was our postero experience, blow by blow breakdown. We did skip dessert because we don't like to be super full these days. And we knew we had a box full of pastries back at the Waverly Inn uh, from McFarland's Bakery. So we did skip dessert. And I saw on Facebook, the chef was like, dude, don't, don't skip dessert next time. We're proud of our desserts. And so I'll go back and we'll get a full meal with desserts and everything. Um, and then just to round up our trip the next day, so that was the night. And then we slept at the Waverly. And then the next day, we uh, either I or we ate at Pop's for breakfast. Pops is an old school 1950s style diner. I think it has been around since the 1950s. It's not some retro new age or new retro thingamajing. It's authentic and I had a very basic breakfast and it was great. I enjoyed it very much. The potatoes were, were particularly good. I got two eggs over easy, sausage patties, a giant pancake and some potatoes and it was all great. I loved it. And I popped into Joey's and I got a cup of coffee and some bagels to go, which they, the bagels were great. We ate them later. We, John and I went to uh, Celtic Creamery, which is just an ice cream shop. I think they have a couple of locations in this area. And uh, it was great. We just got some ice cream and it was fantastic. I can't even remember what flavor I got. But for me, it kind of doesn't matter. I love it all. I might have got honey. I might have gotten the honey flavored um, but then, and then we rounded it. We took, and then we took a long, long walk and that's what killed us, man. Like I'm going to suggest to the city of Hendersonville, a few more trees, please. Just a few more trees along the, the, there's a walk that they encourage you to take from like Jackson park to William King Memorial park and la di da like that. And so we did this walk and two things that were lacking on the walk. This is not, to slag on it because we enjoyed it, but it was very hot and killed us when we went home afterwards. So we would have spent more time in your beautiful city had the walk not been as hot. But along the walk, there was a distinct lack of shade and signage so that we got confused and we got lost and it added an extra half hour to our walk. So by the time we got back to town, what we did was we went to a cafe called Black Bear Coffee and we cooled down. It was beautifully air conditioned. Thank you, Black Bear. The people were nice and the coffee was great and we cooled down. And then right before we left town, we went to a place called Dandelion Cafe and we got a lunch type of meal and we got a really nice grilled shrimp salad that was very fresh. The shrimp were hot off the griddle, so warm on the, sal on the cold salad. And the salad was made out of greens and tomatoes and had strawberries in it, which was great. And some cheese of some kind, either goat cheese or I think it was goat cheese and, uh, it, and a delicate dressing. And it was excellent. So I recommend dandelion very much, kind of a generic name, but you'll find it if you Google dandelion Hendersonville. And I don't mean to criticize it for being generic. I'm just saying it's sometimes hard to find one word restaurants you know, it's dandelion. You'll get a definition of a flower if you don't add like Hendersonville to it. Um, and that uh, dandelion is part of a nonprofit organization called Safe Light. And not to be confused with the window replacement people, but Safe Light is an organization that helps people uh, transition from abusive situations into non-abusive lifestyle, like just getting out of that and transitioning into 
a better life for themselves. And so uh, a lot of the staff who works there is part of the program and it's a way to do some training and get down and get away from bad situations around some sympathetic people. And it's a great program. It's been around for a long time and I support it morally and I supported it with our dollar bills and stuff when we went into uh, the cafe and they have a little thrift shop right next door as well. So anyhow, get yourself into Dandelion, support Safelight, go to Hendersonville, have a great time, play mini golf, go to the aquarium. The aquarium was amazing. It's tiny, like teeny tiny, like smaller than, I don't know, Bomba in downtown Asheville or whatever. It's small. And, but it's, and it's got small tanks with small sharks in it, not like great whites or anything, but these little sharks in it and other exotic creatures and tortoises and stuff. And, some of them were sort of abandoned or donated and given to the aquarium. And the aquarium has an educational purpose. It's not just like a fun thing, uh, although it is fun. And, but it's, you know, the people who work there are um, biology students and oceanography students and stuff like that. And they're actually studying sharks. And uh, they ha we just happened to be there when two sharks were born. We saw two sharks get born in the mountains of Western North Carolina. It was kind of incredible. They keep these shark eggs, which are these square sacks. They keep them all on a clothesline type thing in the tank, like in the water and the water blowing by them and stuff to keep them all active and stuff. And there's a light behind them and you can see the baby sharks inside of the egg sacks. And when the egg yolk disappears it's time for that shark to be born and in nature they'd fight that way out of the sack and there's a survival rate with that like not all of them make it so uh at the aquarium they cut them open make sure they all make it and so they cut open two of these sacks that were ready and voila a little tiny shark each one probably i'd say maybe about six inches long something like that uh, came spilling out of the sack and they immediately sink to the bottom of the tank. They don't know how to swim. And then they start wiggling and jiggling and then boom, they start swimming. And we were in the mountains and we saw sharks get born and it was the greatest thing ever. So thank you, Hendersonville. Thanks all the restaurants. Thanks Waverly Inn. Thank you guys for listening. And thank you, WPVM 103.7 FM for turning my humble podcasts into a radio show. I appreciate you very much. And people, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Substack, YouTube, all of it by looking for Stu Helm Food Fan. That's me. I'm known as the Food Fan. And eat something good and let me know about it. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. This episode of the Food Fans Radio Show was underwritten in part by Asheville Food Tours. Did you know that there are over 200 places to eat and drink in downtown Asheville alone? It can be overwhelming. Whether you're a visitor or a local, there's no better way to experience downtown Asheville than taking a food tour with Asheville Food Tours. Details, pricing, and an easy-to-use calendar can be found at AshevilleFoodTours.com. That's AshevilleFoodTours.com.